If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. If Perkins can win it from 29. Spencer Jones on the hold. Casey Keller to snap it. And Perkins drives it through. And Oklahoma survives a slugfest. Not the statement game they were hoping for. That appears to be the theme for Oklahoma football in 2021. The Sooners win another close one, field goal at the gun, 16-13 over West Virginia. You saw it, you've digested it, you've talked about it, but uh, Oklahoma, 4-0 on the season, that's the good news. Sooners uh, finish up for the fourth of four consecutive home games. Now they leave the friendly confines of the Palace on the Prairie to take on Kansas State in Manhattan. We'll have more about that later on in the week. But the big one is looming. Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas just a couple of weeks away. And that game could be epic. It looks like Texas has found their quarterback. Oklahoma has found its defense. I mean, anticipation is building. But we'll move on to that later on. Before Oklahoma wins on the football field Saturday night, they won on the recruiting trail Friday night. Let's digest, talk about all this, and break it down. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Holfeld flying solo once more. Again, my fault, travel schedule, not able to connect with Rich. The only thing that really means is two things. Number one, it'll be a shorter podcast. And number two, no true or false. I probably shouldn't have told you uh, number two just yet because it may, you may just tune out. Now, if I can't hear true or false, I'm done with this. But um, let's talk about recruiting real fast. Oklahoma picks up <clears throat> five-star recruit DeAndre Moore Jr. If you um, if you listen to our pregame podcast for West Virginia, listen to that preview. We talked a little bit more about recruiting in that podcast than we have in a while. And DeAndre Moore Jr. is one of the guys I told you about. His teammates were with quarterback uh, Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, uh, those guys are on this team. They're also five-star recruits. And so the three of those guys make up three of Oklahoma's four five-star recruits for the 2023 recruiting class. And they're all three teammates. They're all three from the same school. You kind of, if you watched recruiting, you saw this coming. And then you uh, you add in there that Brandon Ennis was one of the more recent recruits uh, to commit before DeAndre Moore did. He's out of Fort Lauderdale. He is also a five-star recruit. So if you're following this 2023 class, not only are the Sooners number one in the Big 12, they're number one nationally as they're building this class. They've got their nucleus. they got their core. Uh, this class will be built around uh, Malachi uh, Nelson, the quarterback, much in the same way 
the most recent class was built around Caleb Williams. He was that magnetic personality that kind of drew people in. And Nelson's doing the same thing, but he has the luxury of two of those guys being his teammates. But this is this is going to be pretty phenomenal to watch. I understand it's over a year away. We, ha we haven't wrapped up the 2022 class, and so it's really hard to get excited when you talk about 2023. But if this holds together, this is going to be something incredibly special to watch because you've got a five-star quarterback, and now you have not one, not two, but three five-star receivers coming in with this guy. It'll be similar to uh, what Spencer Rattler did when he came in with that group of receivers, but I think you're going to have better chemistry already because two of the three receivers that we talked about are already teammates for uh, Malachi Nelson. So this class, number one in the nation, seven total commitments for Oklahoma for 2023. Of those seven commitments, four, over half of them, over 50% of the 2023 class is rated as a five-star recruit. So there's a quick recruiting update for you. Still more to watch this as the fall moves on. Kids come in and out uh, of campus. But a big one over the weekend, Friday night, DeAndre Moore uh, connect, uh, commits to the University of Oklahoma. He had 21 scholarship offers. He's 5'11", 140. Um, everybody wanted him. His his final five came down to Alabama, USC, Oregon, Florida State, and Oklahoma. So there's some elite company there that Oklahoma is beating out to get uh, to get this kid. And so, again, fun times. You're going to have to watch it and see what transpires. But you, you feel like with, with him – being teammates with with Lemon and Nelson, that nucleus is going to hold because you know I, I think there's when you have three guys who are not just recruits but they're five star recruits from the same school on the same team with two years of high school ball left before them, typically that bonds and when it bonds it it makes them stronger and as that bond between those three guys grows stronger, you're going to see I think more momentum and a bigger wave come in on this 2023 class, but good news for Oklahoma on the recruiting front. Now on the football field, it was also good news in many ways on Saturday night because Oklahoma moved to four and zero on the season one and zero in big 12 play. And Hey, at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to have more points on the scoreboard than the other team. And that's exactly what Oklahoma did. Was it pretty? No. Was it effective? Yes, because you got the win and you go to Manhattan, Kansas top 10 team Number six nationally in the AP, yeah, you're dropping down two more spots, but you're still on the road, ranked in the top ten, undefeated. You're exactly where you wanted to be. If you're Lincoln Riley, if you're if you're this team, you all of your goals are still firmly in front of you. And I know Oklahoma fans are not happy. I know Oklahoma fans are not satisfied. And and there's a lot that you can break down. Some of it is justified, some of it's unjustified, some of it is is misdirected anger and frustration. And it's just not understanding where that anger and frustration comes from. I, I get all of that. Okay. All of that in place. I'm with you. I understand it, but let's just pause for a second and realize, Hey, things are much worse for Clemson, right? Are they not? Things are much worse for Texas A&M. Things are much worse for the Texas Longhorns. All those teams have lost. Clemson's out of the playoff picture. They're done. Clemson with their second loss, you, you can excuse the Georgia loss when you look at Georgia may be the best team in the country. I clearly think Alabama and Georgia through the first month of the season, they've shown the flash. 
that deserve them to be the number one and the number two teams in the nation. I, I, I'm with you on that. That That's my, um, maybe I'm not, maybe you're not with me on that, but I am agreeing with, with that. But outside those two teams, you've seen a lot of struggle. And, and Oklahoma is sitting better than a, a lot of a lot of top 25 teams won, but a lot of top 25 teams lost over the weekend, and Oklahoma won. So you got to start there and just say, okay, I'm frustrated because the offense doesn't look like what I expected them to look like. I'm, I'm frustrated because Spencer Rattler is supposed to be leading the Heisman Trophy campaign. I, I'm frustrated because Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks are supposed to be this dynamic running back duel. I'm frustrated with, okay, yeah, I can accept that as long as you can continue to say, but you know what? At the end of the day, they've beaten every opponent that they've played. I don't want to hear at this point, I don't want to hear, well, if they play that way against Texas, they're probably going to lose. Really? I mean, how do you know? How do you know Oklahoma's, are you talking about offensively or defensively? How do you know Oklahoma's defense can't put the brakes on Texas the same way they just put the brakes on West Virginia? How do you know that they can't do that? So let's stop and say they're 4-0 and, and, and move on from there. And then let's address the things that, that you have to address. And, and those things are going to be on the offensive side of the football. Well, I'll, I'll give you more of a breakdown here in a second. But the things that have to be addressed are on the offensive side of the ball. You, you can nitpick the defense. I mean, and that's what you're doing, nitpicking small things on the defense. Oh, that first drive that the West Virginia had, they just ran it right down our throats. None, yeah, they, they absolutely did. But what did they do after that? Tell me what West Virginia did after that opening drive. Because I'm with you. That opening drive, I'm sitting there watching it going, whoa, this could get ugly, right? They scored two field goals after that moment. Two field goals for the rest of the game. Yeah, West Virginia took almost nine minutes off the clock to start the game on a touchdown drive. But from that point forward, West Virginia scored two field goals for the rest of the game. That's a win for this defense. So if you're going to criticize the defense, you're nitpicking. If you want to throw criticism out here, let's throw it at the offense, but let's make sure we put it in the right place, in the right spot. And we'll jump into that. In fact, we'll, we'll jump into that right now. But, well, okay, pause, time out. We're going to jump into that right now. But I think just to help prepare you mentally for what is to come through the remaining eight regular season games for Oklahoma, I think we need to get used to Oklahoma winning games like what they won Saturday night. I think we need to get used to Oklahoma grinding things out and winning defensive battles. And there's going to be some teams in this conference that that Oklahoma just offensively they have the advantage and they're gonna they're gonna function and perform better than what they're doing right now. But I think for the most part, I'm already there. I'm already there mentally. I'm ready for it. That Oklahoma is gonna win games ugly this season. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're 12 and one, 13 and 0, and Big 12 champion and in the playoff conversation or in the playoff. That's the goal. And and right now, in September, well, we can't beat Alabama playing like that. Okay, I, that, that argument doesn't apply right now. Because I want to know who's beating Alabama. Maybe Georgia. Who else? Tell me who's going to step up and beat Alabama right now. Because it's, it, I agree. Oklahoma, the way they played Saturday night against West Virginia, they're not beating Alabama. But guess who else isn't beating Alabama? 
Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon. I mean, there's a lot of teams. Clemson's not beating Alabama. So we knew coming into the season that Oklahoma wasn't Alabama. What we wanted to do was see this this bridge, uh, you know, kind of kind of crossed over that gap begin to close in. And I think we're seeing that defensively. This is an incredibly dominating Oklahoma defense. This is the best defense of the Lincoln Riley era, which isn't saying much considering what he inherited on the defensive side of the ball. But this is going to rival some of the better defenses of the Bob Stoops era as well. I had said previously that you, you got to go back to 2009 to find a defense that's better than this one. Okay, you may have to go back further than that now. This defense may rival the 2002 defense, the 2004 defense. This defense is really, really good. So let's talk. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball since I've, I've already thrown out defense, but let, let's let's talk offensively here. Oklahoma with 313 total yards of offense, way, way, way below what expectations are and, you know, what we've seen in the past. 256 of those yards came through the air off the arm of Spencer Rattler. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Only 57 rushing yards. So think think about it. Keep that in mind. 57 rushing yards. Eric Gray, 12 carries, 38 yards. Kennedy Brooks, 5 carries for 17 yards. As a team, Oklahoma only averaged two yards per carry that is a key that that's a key thing to what we're going to talk about offensively the other the other keys that go with that are four quarterback sacks six total tackles for loss and three more quarterback hurries you want to find out where the problem is on this offense yeah the student section can start chanting we want caleb that's a whole different issue Caleb Williams isn't going to fix what's wrong with Oklahoma's offense unless you're going to put him in on the offensive line. Because the quarterback's not the problem. Oh, no, but Spencer Rattler, he, I, yeah, whatever. Do you know how, do you know what Spencer Rattler's completion percentage was? He completed 72% of his passes on Saturday night. No quarterback really ever goes out and hits 100%. Very few get in the 80s or above. If you get in the 70s, you're having a good game. 72% is not a bad completion percentage for a quarter. In fact, you get down to 65 to 68%, 65 to 70%, that's considered good. 72% completion percentage for Spencer Rattler on Saturday night against West Virginia. 256 yards. Yeah, he had the pick. He also had a great touchdown pass you know, to Austin Stogner. But the issue is not Spencer Rattler. The issue is not Eric Gray. The issue is not Kennedy Brooks. The issue is Oklahoma's offensive line got owned on Saturday night. And we talk about things that, that we get right and things we get wrong when we break down these games. Richard mentioned this in our, in our pregame podcast, previewing this game. Rich specifically mentioned, specifically mentioned the West Virginia defensive line against Oklahoma's offensive line. I I thought Oklahoma's offensive line was going to be able to hold water. I thought they were going to be able to block. I I thought they were going to be able to open up holes. Rich said he was worried about it. I I missed this, but Rich was spot on. And and you want to put a, I've said, I've gone on this rant before and I'm sticking to my guns with it. You got an offensive line. 
Two yards per carry is what Oklahoma averaged as a team. Four quarterback sacks, six tackles for loss, three more quarterback hurries. None of that is on the quarterback. There wasn't a, a quarterback sack on Saturday night that was Spencer Rattler's fault for holding the ball too long. Wasn't there. You, you, you want to make an argument for it? Okay, make an argument for it. But you're wrong. It's not there. The problem is there's no time for Spencer Rattler to set up and really hit those seam routes. The problem is there's no holes. There's no push for Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray to run through. The problem is that the, the blitz isn't getting picked up. And also the problem is they don't need a blitz at times. Anton Harrison had a terrible night on the left side of Oklahoma's offensive line. Terrible night. There's your problem. And you can chant, we want Caleb. That's okay. I'm pretty excited when the Caleb Williams era does begin at the University of Oklahoma. I'll be excited for it. But you're, you're, you really think, you really think that Caleb Williams, a true freshman who missed his senior year of high school, has not played significant football since he was a junior in high school. And you really think that's the answer here. You really think that let's go to the freshman because all of a sudden you put the true freshman in there and, and the offensive line is going to hold. You, you put the true freshman in there and running lanes are going to open up. Maybe he is more mobile and athletic than Spencer Rattler, but he's not as polished as, as in, in terms of poise. Remember the Western Carolina game? He showed flash. He was fast. But he had a 50% completion rate in the Western Carolina game. And so you think you're going to put him in there against Nebraska or West Virginia when they're just crashing through on this, on this offensive line? And you think he's going to be able to keep his poise and go through the checks? Spencer Rattler, 72%. Under those circumstances, under the situation in which he got to play in, 72% completion percentage. Now, I'm, I, I will tell you, I don't know that Spencer Rattler is the Heisman frontrunner that he was. I really don't think he is. I don't think he's out of the Heisman race. I really, I don't, I don't think that's true either. But he's certainly not the frontrunner. I think my, Matt Corral at Ole Miss probably has the edge there. That dude's a baller. But I also don't think that Spencer Rattler's the problem. I, really, I, I, don't, I, I don't think, I don't think that's where you start. I don't, I don't think in in the coaches meeting, the offensive coaches meeting, they're probably not all looking at Lincoln Riley and going, bro, how are you going to fix the quarterback problem? How are you going to fix that situation? No, everybody in that, in that Joe John Finley, DeMarco Murray, <laughs> Lincoln Riley, you know where they're looking? They're looking at Bill Bedenboe and they're saying, Bill, you got to get better. Up front, you got to get better. Football 101, the basic fundamental of football is you win at the point of attack. And if you can't win at the point of attack, you are going to struggle. And you're going to struggle heavily at times. And that's what we saw on Saturday night. But let's not lose sight of the fact that Oklahoma won. Legitimate question. Do you think the 2020 version of Oklahoma wins this game? In late September? I don't think they do. Remember, we kind of saw this a little bit against Kansas State. This was kind of the same flow that that Kansas State game went. Oklahoma jumps out to the big lead, and then Kansas State comes storming back because they controlled the line of scrimmage. We, we saw it in Ames, Iowa last year throughout. I guess that game probably mirrored this West Virginia game a little bit more closely than the Kansas State did. 
But the point is, Oklahoma lost both of those games. And Saturday night, they found a way to overcome that adversity, overcome terrible offensive line play, and beat a West Virginia team that's really not that bad. This, this Mountaineer team is pretty salty. Are they the best team in the Big 12? No. Are they the best team Oklahoma has left on the schedule? Most likely not. But are they good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Just throwing that out there. They're pretty good. And Oklahoma beat them. They found a way to beat them on a night that their offensive line played like garbage. And and here's the thing also is that, you know, under Lincoln Riley, offenses have progressively gotten better. So I don't think it's I definitely don't think it's time to throw in the towel when it comes to this this offensive performance or the offense in general. And I don't think you, you throw in the towel because they're they're scoring for four games in a row, they scored more points than the opponent. So I think they're going to get better. I think Ligan Riley's proven that. He's going to learn what he can and can't do with this offensive line, and he's going to take make the most of it. But again, I, I think you see an improvement of the 2021 version of Oklahoma over the 2020 version. And as much as these games early that were they were kind of slugfest like this was, that was an L for Oklahoma. It was a big fat L. And right now, 4-0. 4-0 takes the cake. By the way, Spencer Rattler, the kid that uh, that some of the fan base in the student section wants to bench, Oklahoma's game-winning drive. Do you remember the game-winning drive against Iowa State? Interception. You remember clutch time against Kansas State? Interception. Spencer Rattler on that game-winning drive, 6 for 6, 54 total yards. 6 for 6, 54 total yards. Uh, Not bad, okay? So uh, I I don't know. You know, Rich and I have always said going – going forward that Spencer Rattler was not going to be a guy that would be our offensive player of the game. I get it. I understand it. But I think you got to throw some love because he got thrown some hate, but you got to throw some love his way for that, that game winning drive for Gabe Burke to set up Gabe Burkish for the walk-off field goal. By the way, Gabe Burkish, he's got to be the overall player of the game. Three field goals, the, the, the difference in the game, right? Three field goals all in the second half including the walk-off. Gabe Burke is definitely the, the player of the game, but I think offensively, if I couldn't mention Spencer Rattler, I'd go for a guy like Michael Woods because it, it proved that there's a, there's a, a not just a, a, a third option, but there's a very solid third option, it's, uh, and it's Michael Woods. Eight catches, 86 yards. Marvin Mims got the bulk of, of the defensive attention. Um We've seen Jaden Hazelwood rise the last couple of weeks, but he got a lot of defensive attention, and that left Michael Woods, uh, Mario Williams. Those guys are, are the guys who have to make the plays. Michael Woods, eight catches, 86 yards, and some of those were, were pretty significant catches. And so I guess I, if I couldn't say Spencer Rattler for his 72% completion percentage and his 256 yards passing, I would have to go to look at Michael Woods as a default, eight catches, 86 yards as my offensive player of the game. But guys, listen, I, I can't can't say this enough. It, it, when it comes to the issues of this offense, fixing it, Making it better starts with the five guys at the point of attack. You can criticize Spencer Rattler all you want to. Keep in mind, he doesn't play offensive line. You can, you can beg for Caleb Williams to get playing time all you want to. But keep in mind, he doesn't play offensive line. And, 
And by trying to say you need to replace the quarterback and try to place the blame on the quarterback without mentioning looking at the offensive line, the, the only way to, to, to describe that is football ignorance. You don't know how it works. So let's look at that offensive line. Let's start there. I'm pretty sure Bill Biedenboe, Lincoln Riley have had some pretty significant conversations since the conclusion of that game. And I bet, I'm willing to bet, the offensive line does not have a fun set of practices this week in preparation for going up against a very physical Kansas State team as well. And again, we'll talk more about that later in the week with our preview podcast. Okay, let's flip to the script and talk about the defensive side of the football. There's really not, I mean, m the meat of this podcast was going to be in that offensive side and, and just talking about how Oklahoma, I think, was better than advertised when it when, when at the end of the day, but there there are clear issues up front. The defense does not at this point does not have issues up front. Keep in mind that this was a defense that was playing without Jalen Redmond and will continue to move forward for the next month or so without Jalen Redmond. That said, they were fantastic. This defense was was spectacular. I, I do need to stop for a second and say another area aspect of this game that I was wrong in the preview. I was like, you know what? West Virginia doesn't really have a receiver that scares me. They don't have a receiver that bothers me, that, that makes me kind of worrisome. That's not, that's not the case anymore. This, the Bryce Ford Wheaton kid, that dude is a monster. He can play for my team, eight catches, 93 yards. If Oklahoma, if it were to work out and, and West Virginia runs the table and Oklahoma ends up meeting West Virginia again in Arlington for the Big 12 championship, and we do that preview, I'm definitely going to mention Bryce Ford Wheaton as a guy that concerns me because that dude, especially on the slants, man, he just, it seemed like every throw that came his way was in a big moment and every catch he made was a big catch. So I, I just got to throw that out there. I said it pregame. I, no one bothers me uh, on this West Virginia receiving core. I was all about Letty Brown, but Oklahoma put the brakes on Letty Brown and really they put the brakes on the West Virginia offense altogether. But the Mountaineers came into this game averaging 39 points per game. They came in averaging 39 points per game. They scored 13. And again, we're talking about this opening drive that was spectacular by West Virginia. But then the adjustments that Alex Grinch made shut everything down. You realize West Virginia's their, their passing offense is well 411 yards per game is what they average altogether 411 yards per game is what their total offense is they they average coming into this game 271.3 yards through the air Saturday night against Oklahoma they they uh they had 179 so you're averaging 271 you get 179 you're averaging, this is the biggest thing that Oklahoma did, 139.7 yards on the ground. Letty Brown had that huge game against Virginia Tech. West Virginia managed 47 rushing yards. So we talk about how bad Oklahoma's rushing def rushing attack was on Saturday night against West Virginia. And if that's the, it, rightfully so, if that's the stance we're going to take, then what we also have to do is we have to talk about how, what an excellent job Oklahoma's defense did against Letty Brown and this West Virginia rushing attack because you held it, you held a group of people to less than half of their season average on the ground. 
139.7. Let's just round it up. 140 rushing yards. They got 47 against Oklahoma. So they were almost 100 yards shy of what their average was on the season coming into that game. And it's the same thing with the passing. 271.3 is what they averaged. Had 179, almost 100 yards shy of what they averaged coming into that game. So you average 39 points per game, you score 13, you average 411 yards per game, and Oklahoma only lets you have 246. Yeah, I see that's a win for the defense, and that's a win for the defense in a big way. And not only is it just, I mean, it wasn't just those stats. Oklahoma was huge on third down. Do you remember the the Tulane game where it just didn't seem like Oklahoma could get off the field on third down? Well, that, that changed. That changed in a big way. Because this Oklahoma defense, they they got after it. West Virginia was only 4 of 13. 4 of 13 on third down. Excuse me, 4 of 14. I'm looking at my notes wrong. 4 of 14 on third down. And so that, that puts Oklahoma in some pretty good categories when you look at national rankings of the defense. Against the pass, this is the Oklahoma's lowest category. Against the pass, Oklahoma ranked 68th nationally, allowing their opponents 221.8 yards per game. Against uh, scoring defense, Oklahoma averages 21st nationally. 16 yards or 16 points per game is what they give up. And against the run, Oklahoma is 11th nationally, 74 yards per game. So you got a top 25 defense score, and you got a top uh, top 11 defense against the run, top 70 against the pass. And people are saying, oh, you play like that, you're not going to beat Texas. You play like that, you're not going to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, okay, we don't know that. And 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 here, it's kind of different. It's it's backwards, and this is where people are, I think they're, I think they're, like I said, I think some of it is misplaced frustration, fit, misplaced aggression and anger. And some of it is just your mind is blown because it's not what you're used to, right? You're used to the offense. You go into any game and you think we got a puncher's chance because of the offense. The offense can score at will at times. And Lincoln Riley draws up these plays and you got these dynamic quarterbacks. You got a dominating offensive line. You got thousand yard running backs. And so you're going to figure it out offensively and, and you can have a chance against anybody in the country because of the offense. That's been since since day one of Lincoln Riley. That's been the statement about the University of Oklahoma, and that's that's changing. Now you're a defensive team, and people don't know how to process that. But the the same is true. You have a shot against anybody in the Big Twelve. You have a shot against anybody nationally because of what you're doing defensively. Because of these guys up front wreaking havoc in the backfield. Because they can shut down running attacks. They shut down the Nebraska running attack. They they shut down the West Virginia running attack. This defense has made significant improvements from game one to game two to game three and now to game four. And you, honestly, you worry, for me, you know, you, you see Jalen Redmond out, and then boom, um, this defense just doesn't miss a beat. Delarian Turner Yell suffered a pretty nasty looking injury just because he got cleated. And that could be nothing more than just a shin bone bruise. If you've ever bumped your shin or been kicked in the shin, you know the pain that that, that, that brings in. 
But imagine the guy jumping in the air and landing on your shin. That's what happened to DTL. But that dude was dynamic the other night. Eight total tackles. Five of those tackles were solo. He had the tackle for loss. He had a pass defended. He had an interception. DTL was really was really kind of taking the reins as, as that leader in the secondary, that quarterback of the defense. But Pat Fields wasn't bad either. Nine total tackles. And Brian Osamoa from that linebacker position, Brian Osamoa was pretty fantastic as well. Six, He led the team with six solo tackles. And then he and Pat Fields, nine total tackles each to kind of be at the top of the of the, of the the um, box score there on Oklahoma's defensive side of the ball. Latrell McCutcheon, not a bad performance. Key Lawrence, not a bad performance. What Perrin Winfrey does, doesn't show up in the box score. But Perrin Winfrey got the, the only quarterback sack of the night. Perrin Winfrey continued to occupy blockers up front to, to make to make you know room for other guys to come in there and put on pressure. And Perrin Winfrey is that guy that the offensives are saying, this guy's not going to beat us. If we need to put three men on him, we've seen it. Saw it against Nebraska, saw it against West Virginia. If we need to put three men on him, he's not going to be the guy to beat us. And guys like Nick Benito, they're going to continue to eat. Guys like Isaiah Thomas, going to continue to eat. Man, Isaiah Thomas has got to keep his head up, though. It's the only thing. I mean, he, he comes – I think sometimes Isaiah Thomas comes crashing in too fast for even for Isaiah Thomas. He's like, oh, I'm here. All of a sudden, what do I do? But, again, I think that will get better. And here's, here's what I, it all boils down to for Oklahoma. As you begin to close the page – uh, close the book on West Virginia and turn the page over – to Kansas State, is this team going to get better? And the answer is yes. They're going to get better offensively. But early in the season, if one if one side of the ball has to catch up with the other, you want it to be the offense catching up with the defense. I mean, you just you want to be able to limit this defense can take things away from the opposing offenses. You want to take away the running game? They can take away the running game. And that's where you want to be while you're trying to catch up an offense. I think that the the offensive production and and the offensive progress is, is a bigger task than even what Lincoln Riley probably thought he was dealing with going a month ago, going back to a month ago. But can he get it done? I, I haven't seen anything that causes me to lose faith. I mean, I, I know Oklahoma Twitter went crazy, okay? People calling for, uh, for th- think about this. People were actually saying a 4-0 nationally ranked top 10 team. They were, they were number four in the nation on Saturday. Sunday, they dropped to number six. But think about this, 4-0 in the season, and people were saying, it's the worst team we've seen since John Blake was a head coach. Really? You don't, you don't think that's a little bit of an overreaction? You don't think that's a hot take? It's a bad take, and it's a hot take. They'll they'll get better. Is there reason for concern? Absolutely. And final thought here on this this overall deal. Um, then we're going to break down the Big Twelve. But the the final thought is this. You remember when we started the season? If you've been listening to this podcast, and they had like eight guys in the rotation for uh, on, on the offensive line against Tulane, and then the eight guys in the rotation against uh, Western Carolina. Eight guys in the rotation on the offensive line against Nebraska. And I'm like, look, you got to get that thing settled before West Virginia. You got to get it settled before conference play starts. This is the reason why.
And it's not like Bill Biedenboe didn't know that. It's not like Lincoln Riley didn't know that. It's just that's what the guys they got to work with. And those guys up front, they have to get better. They have to get better. All right, so let's run down the Big 12 real fast. I, you know, I've talked about areas where I was wrong, okay, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys who can't admit when he was wrong, but I, I got to pat myself on the back here because, again, if you listen to our pregame podcast, our preview for this coming weekend, I said Iowa State on upset alert against Baylor. I said it, and Rich thought I was crazy. Some of you guys thought I was crazy. You tweeted at me. You texted me. You were crazy, okay? Um I'm still waiting to hear back from you now. Baylor 31, Iowa State 29. The Cyclones go down in Waco. This does not eliminate Iowa State from the Big 12 conference race, though. I mean, it's just their, I mean, it's their first loss in conference, second loss of the season. But man, the Cyclones two and two on the season, 0-1 in the Big 12. That's really not something going back a month ago that we saw happening. And when you when you talk about how things are are, are just kind of crazy and bad uh, in Norman, they could be worse. Look at Ames, Iowa. Look at what their expectations were. This was a top 10 team coming into the season, and they're 2-2 two and two now, 0-1 in, in Big 12 play. Uh, Brock Purdy, 22-33, um, 230, excuse me, 263 yards, one passing touchdown. Even Brees Hall, 190 yards against Baylor, 190 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and the Cyclones still lost, 31-29 to to Baylor. Um, Oklahoma State. All right, let's go back to where I was wrong again. Oklahoma State just, again, not pretty, but you get out to an explosive first quarter, 21 points in the first quarter, 31 to 20 over Kansas State. The Wildcats came in with a top 25 ranking. They don't have that anymore. Um, Oklahoma State, most impressive win of the season. Jalen Warren continues to be uh, be that guy. You know, 27 carries, 123 yards, coming off of a 200-yard performance uh, against Boise. I think the most positive aspect of this game was Spencer Sanders going for 344 yards and two touchdowns for the Cowboys. And so that's you finally you finally produce some offense. If Mike Gundy finally figured it out, and and again go back to Oklahoma, you kind of got some hope there. Takes about a month in to figure some things out. And and that's exactly what Oklahoma State did. That's a good win for Oklahoma State. They've they've been they were three and zero. They were a very suspect three and zero. Now they're four and zero, one and zero in the Big Twelve. And you can say you can finally say after an Oklahoma State win, it took four times, but finally after the fourth win, you can say you know what, that was a pretty good win. Tanner Mordecai takes down TCU in Fort Worth, 4-0 now for the SMU Mustangs. And Tanner Mordecai, we talked about him a little bit on the podcast, former Oklahoma quarterback, just a fantastic performance. Uh, He had a couple of picks, but the Mustangs just took it to Gary Patterson. And now TCU, they were 2-1, or excuse me, 2-0 going into that game, 2-1 down in the season. They haven't started conference play yet. And that, that TCU defense, very, very suspect um, after seeing what – of course, the SMU offense, That's that offense will score points on just about anybody that they play. But uh, no way I ever expected a 42-34 to 34 final. I, I thought – I did say SMU would cover on that. Um, I didn't really know that TCU would drop that game. Uh, Kansas and Duke, we, we, we pegged that, said to take the over, said to take Duke and the points. 52 to 33 win for the Blue Devils. Kansas drops down at one and three on the season, 0 and two away from home. Things aren't going to get better for the Jayhawks in Lawrence. They're just not. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I will say the Trevor Wilson kid, five catches, 122 yards. There's there, there are, there's parts, all right? Pieces are coming together, but they, they just need so much more. And then the big one, the big game in the Big 12, Texas Tech at Texas. The Red Raiders come into this game 3-0, and and they just get curb stomped. Uh, Texas scores four touchdowns in the second quarter, take a 70-35 to win over Texas Tech, a, a team that loses their quarterback. You know, that just that game was ugly from the get-go. Uh, Beyond Robinson, 137 rushing yards. Uh, just, I mean, that's a, that's a good one for Texas. And it looks like Texas is figuring things out now. Two two big wins in a row. They're figuring things out. And and th- I said I started this podcast off by saying the Red River rivalry is looming. It's less than two weeks away. Um, Oklahoma better get some stuff together. I think that game is going to absolutely be epic. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this brief edition of the Sooner Nation podcast, only going about 40 minutes or so, again, flying solo. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, though, where you agree, you disagree, you think it's time for Caleb Williams. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can find us on their internet, heartland-sports.com. We got pregame, postgame thoughts uh, as a staff. We'll give you our Big 12 power rankings and so forth. Um, thanks so much for tuning in, and have a fantastic week, everybody. Boom, Sooner. <laughs>